Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Be noticed in the 2023 Genesis G70. This sporty sedan is a force to be seen. We'd love you to explore the 2023 Genesis GV70 with a class-leading 300-horsepower engine or the available 375-horsepower twin-turbo V6 for terrains from concrete jungles to mountain roads. It's a new beginning for a new generation. Genesis Memphis Covington Pike, 1870 Covington Pike, or visit us online at memphisgenesis.com. Estimated horsepower based on premium fuel ratings. Use of regular fuel will result in reduced horsepower. See dealer for complete details. Dealer stock only. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producer of the program for us. Glad that he is with us. In just a moment, we'll welcome Mark to the program. It's, of course, Wednesday, so it's buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit Wednesday. Lots to get to, but most importantly... A fun, fun night of basketball here locally. Perhaps maybe one of the biggest regular season nights in city history with, of course, John Morant's return and then Memphis's blowout win of UVA. David Cobb's going to join us here in about 2.40. We'll talk some signing day, talk bowl games, college hoops. We'll do it all with Cobb when he joins us here at about 2.40. We'll get into the list during our number two, we'll also keep an eye on if there's more signing day updates during our number two. We'll tell your story, and then we will get out of here. But now let's welcome to the program the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist that I'm on sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, on X, at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Well, that was quite something last night, wasn't it, Jeffrey? I mean, I was, it was it was interesting. Literally, Penny Hardaway's press conference had just wrapped up. Like before, it was it was interesting. Before Penny walked in, like the the gap between when Tony Bennett spoke to the press and when Penny spoke to press, that was kind of when the Grizzlies were. You know, someone in the press room just goes, "Oh man, 
it's 104-100. You know, like it was, it's a four-point game in New Orleans. And then almost as soon as Penny's press conference ends, um, the, that was when the game winner happened, basically. Like right as soon as Penny left the room, or at least that's when people noticed it on their social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you he, and he started seeing it. And, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, Jeffrey. When I saw it, I had a pit in my stomach because I was like, God, I wish I was there. And as great as that UVA, as great as that win over UVA was for Memphis, and I you know, thought I wrote a pretty good column too out of it. But like, yeah. that was a moment last night. Like that was, you know, that's one of those, you know, that's one of those. Probably twenty five years from now, there'll be way more people who said they were there than who were actually there. You know what I mean? Like it was. That was yeah, I, I, I will know. say though that I, I could usually not doesn't. Imagine it that, going like that. Had that been a home game, I think that's true. That really doesn't yeah. happen much on the road. Yeah, that's fair. Because there's to, to steal a phrase from Josh. There's there's receipts for a road trip. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to really, put a hotel on really stuff. during 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 the middle of the week. You just drove down to New Orleans. Really? <laughs> Nonetheless, that was one of those just moments you wish you were there. Like, that's what makes sports great. Now, for the um, record, moments like that. Again, I don't know. You and I have talked about this. One of the reasons why I prefer how TNT presents basketball is their crowd mics are very hot. It mm-hmm. did sound like there was a pretty good contingent of Grizzlies fans down there. Well, I mean, and it didn't look full. I mean, I, I was looking. I mean, it was there was it was very easy to get upper deck tickets to that game. Um, I think they were going for like 11 bucks online before the game. Um, so wasn't like a super hot ticket or anything in New Orleans. I hate that and, arena too. Uh, my buddies yeah, and I, we used I to mean, do like a, that was like we would I mean, go it to. The, a, it was, it was run down 10 years ago when I was, when I was last there. And that for like the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight one year. And I can't, you know, I'm imagining 10 years later, it's probably, you know, 10 years, you know. It is five, funny. It is funny. The one city that seems to be above the threats of their professional teams is New Orleans because, you know. Well, it's because she isn't the same. The family, the one family owns both the Saints and the Hornets. Family. Um, Benson family. It's the third wife, Gail. Yeah, yeah. And so. Well, she she um, power played. She got the kids written out of the will. At the same time, New Orleans has already lost an NBA team in its past. Yeah, but they got, like, they did the, they did, like, a make good. And. I don't know. I just find it's funny. Like, here we are. Yeah, no one's talking about how they need. Well, I'm sure they are talking about how they need renovations, but there's no, like, uh, it doesn't feel like New Orleans is uh, bucking to the pressure the way Memphis does whenever there's even the, like, slight hint that the Yeah, I mean, like, I do unhappy. know that they've, they've done a big renovation to the Superdome. If anyone had been to the Superdome, there's a place that needed a renovation. It was the Superdome. But that... That arena, man, like it has like that rubber compound, like flooring. The steps are off. Like it, you just every time you take a step in that place, you feel like your foot's just stick like sticks to well, the it's floor. Just, it's just yeah. Well, it's just like yeah. It it feels old. It's like it feels like you're walking. And that's on it. But the thing is, I don't even think it's that old. And beer and urine. <laughs> you know? I'm telling you, I don't it's think like, that arena's that old. I think it was built in the '90s. Really. No, because like you know what else? You, what, back when I was in Michigan, Joe Louis Arena had that. Same, oh yeah, like, that you Mark just, Joe Louis Arena had character. There's a difference. There's the a difference. just stunk of urine. Yes, uh, <laughs> like just stunk of urine. And uh, but no, there's the, the you know, Pist- Hey, the Pistons may have left downtown. Joe Louis was still there for the wings. 
<laughs> don't no. The Wings play in the new arena. They I do. Think. They got. But remember, I mean, they were they stayed in Joe Louis Arena way too long. I mean, that place was a dump. That, that place was a dump fifteen years Character. ago. Like, fifteen years ago when I was covered, when I was in college. But nonetheless, we're off topic. I mean, that was a that was something. I you know what coming like. I stayed up super late. Like I came home after I came home at like twelve thirty from cover like midnight, come from writing and covering the Tigers game, and I was like super amped to just watch the game, you know, and see how it all played out, you know, with my own eyes. Obviously, I knew the result, but um, just a special, special return game for John Moran. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Why don't Why don't we Why don't we start things off uh, with a little buy sell shorter go to Reddit? It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey Show, where we either buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey, you want me to do the first one? Yeah, go for it. All right. This one this one hits home for us. We've debated it quite a bit over the last couple weeks prior to John Morant's return, and it seems like after what he did last night, it has become, you know, a the topic's been freshened up for us a little bit. So here's my buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit coming off of that electric finish last night and the Grizzlies getting a win, coming back from 24 down against New Orleans in John Morant's return game. Buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. Last night convinced you that the Grizzlies have a chance to to, to work their way back. I should say that. Last night convinced you the Grizzlies can work will work their way back into the play-in by the end of the year. Buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, I'm going to short this. And I'm shorting this because I feel like it felt it felt like last night there was a lot of I've been watching all of you, jaws back, here we go. And do not get me wrong. We clearly answered the question, how much different does this team look like with John Morant? A lot. Like they went from <laughs> yeah, looking they went from looking like truly one of the three worst teams in the league to a functional NBA team. But there is, like, some context with last night. First off, that's John ja, ja Morant's first game back, and mm-hmm. he was on a mission. And Second night of a back-to-back for the rest of the guys, though. Yeah, Zion... Well, they, got, they got a nice rest in the second half against OKC. Yeah, I, I would, uh, were they on the second night of a back-to-back? I, I think they had a... <laughs> Looked like they had a walkthrough on 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 Monday night. They were storing up some energy for this. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. I, they they looked like they had a walkthrough, but there is also like there's kind of like a sugar high element where you get that lift, but like it's still the same problems are still there. Like where I give them credit is they were able last night. They have the second quarter that we've seen happen, I don't know how many times this year, feels like 20-plus. The second Mm -hmm. quarter where your second unit comes in, you get blitzed by, it felt like 25-30. And they were able to, they put, they mounted. feel like, I think it was. It went from a one-point game to a 24-point game. (laughs) And, And I'll give them credit, they were able to kind of fight at the end of the first half to keep it a little respectable. You know, Vince. Well, I thought, you know, like I thought that Vince Williams three at the end, yeah. and it, like in the moment, I was like, "Oh man, he's talking, he's talking ass." But when you look back at it in retrospect, one, it was just the latest example of how he fits on this team. Like, you know, either the fact that he had the gall, the nerve to to talk trash to 
CJ McCollum down like 20 at halftime, I think is actually uh, an endearing thing when you no, look back I, I, on I'm it. I'm with you. This team just needs like, you know, just to quote the Joker, like a little fight in you. Like they, they yeah. really like. Yeah. But the bigger. They need some attitude. They need some dude. But they still, the, the same problem is still there, Mark. They have way too many guys that are like 10 through 13 in a rotation that are playing basically somewhere between four and what, eight in a rotation, nine. Mm-hmm. And to me, the, yeah. the larger problem is it's still the same math. Like, do I think this team, like, where I would, where I would feel confident switching my opinion I thought this was going to be a team that when Ja came back that's going to hover around 500 even with Ja. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be above 500. But but that's kind of the other thing to remember like last about last night. Not only was Ja great, Jaron was really damn good and Dez was pretty solid too. Like it's tough to get see what 34 from Ja. It was 34 from Ja. I mean you got what 70 between the three of them, right? Yeah, something like that. So I'm trying to pull up. I, I, I am the new. Oh God, I need a new computer so bad. All right, 24 from Jaron. Yeah. So you got, you got 58 between those two, and then you throw on another 21. So you got 79 points from those three guys, and like that. Yes, that's the formula for winning. But like that is like that is the formula for winning. Like it almost feels like if you don't get all three of those things, they're still going to really, really struggle. But what you see is when you have John Morant, they're just not out of games. And that, that to me, like that's the key difference between last night and what we saw for the first 25 games. They can fall behind. They can fall well, behind they, with Ja and still not be dead. Court, they have a half-court offense. Yes. They have a guy with the, the offense isn't going well. He can just throw it to him and he can go score. I mean, the fourth quarter, that wasn't – that wasn't Taylor Jenkins coaching. That was John Morant going on. Well, we got we got to talk about this because I don't know how much discussion there's been, and I don't. Not, no, we we we, we got to talk about this. John Morant's comments after the game were no one. Not, there's not been a lot of like like him. Uh, I don't. Uh, I want to stop you there. I do not care about the post game. I don't care about those comments. Th- those can be scripted and whatnot. I want to talk about the moment in real time. Yes, when he was basically like he was pissed. Correct. Taylor Jenkins called a timeout. Like, yes, no, I, I totally agree. And, I, I just don't care about. I don't care about canned statements afterwards because those are scripted mostly. And the the well, the thing I took note of was he didn't call him Taylor Jenkins or Taylor or Coach Jenkins. He said I was ticked when the coach called timeout. Ooh, just referred to him as coach. I think from what I saw, um, I took note of it. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal right now. Something I'm going to keep in the back that, of my head. That's exactly how I. Tr- I did the. I'm saving that. One. You know. Uh, you know when you yeah. see somebody with a questionable tweet and you got to screenshot it because you don't know whether or not that one's going to get deleted. Yeah, that's what I did yeah, no, with I that. Just, I'm just keeping it in the back of my head. Is yeah, how I would phrase is how I present. Well, here's my answer. Well, and then the best question. part though is literally the play they drew up was just like it was just. I know. Like just sitting into the backcourt. I know. Well. I'm going to throw you a little curveball here on my answer to this by Oh uh, No no way. I'm going to sell this, but it's because I was convinced they could make it back. Mm, to the there you go. Before, yeah, yeah. before uh-huh. last night's game, uh-huh. Jeffrey. Um, as I told you, 
last week when we got in this argument. I thought, you know, you're adding that John Morant we saw last night. That's top 15 player in the NBA, John Morant. Looks like he's ready to go. Like, that looks like a different version of John Morant than the one that came back from the eight-game suspension last year. Um, He looks more like the one before he got into all this mess. Um, And now, you know, you're getting word like there's a decent chance you know, at the very at the latest, it feels like they're going to get Marcus Smart back on Saturday. Um, might maybe we'll get him back tomorrow for the Indiana game. Um, and I think this team's going to go on a nice little run. And I, I I I think when push comes to shove, they are going to be playing very meaningful basketball games in March and April, uh, trying to get into the play-in. That's really what I do. I I think. Ja makes that much of a difference because you saw last night, even just the way they talked about the end. Like, if like this isn't meant as an insult, this is like why the this, the three of them work. Jaron and Dez are betas. Like they are not comfortable being the alphas. Ja is comfortable being the alpha, and it felt like everything just fit so much better last night. Just having Ja out there on the court, um, and suddenly, like I thought, for instance. You know, you pointed out, like, they still have a lot of guys who you feel like, you know, aren't really, you know, certainly for a playoff team, you wouldn't imagine them being rotation players. Um, I mean, I'll say this. Like, I'm sick of beating around the bush. They got a lot of non-NBA players. Um, But I I thought, like, for instance, like, I thought Zaire played pretty well last night. I thought Tillman played pretty well last night. Vince Williams, we already mentioned, played pretty well last night. Um, And... I think it, it all just having Ja back slots it all into place much better. Everyone's going to be playing even even without Stephen Adams and and Brandon Clark, and we can get to him in a second. Um, it feels like they, they everyone is in a more proper role for them now. They've, everyone's gone down a notch in the pecking order because Ja is now atop the pecking order, and especially for Dez and Jaron. I think it's going to be really beneficial for them. Uh, and so I know you said, you're saying basically like last night was like a perfect storm, them putting up 79 points between the three of them. And, and my, my gut instinct is maybe they're not putting up 79 collectively every night, but I would hope like you're paying them as much money as you are. Like the success of this team is predicated on them being like a trio that can put up 70 plus every night. Like that's how you're going to, that's how this works long-term is those three being that type of trio. And, and, you know, I, you know, I think they're going to, I think they're going to win 60% of their games with John Morant in the lineup. That's what I think. Uh, I, I think just, I need, put them in the I think that's going to put them right there for that ninth or 10th spot when push comes to shove in March and April. And I guess where I am is, you know, maybe this is bad radio, but it's like, I, I just want to see a little bit more because I had a pretty good feeling that he was going to be, pretty good yeah. last night. And this could very well be an overreaction, just as you put it, the sugar high of yeah. like, what a just Hollywood script that was. And, and just and how that all went down. And let's be clear, like just how needed that was. Because yeah. like it was a reminder, even in the first quarter when it was kind of a slog where neither team was really making shots, like mm-hmm. it was just so much easier to watch with Ja on the floor. 
And it's just a well, reminder. It opens up. I mean, like, basically, he can get into, like, you forget. Like, he literally can get into the lane Mark, whenever he, had, he wants. He had 35 or 34 points, and he didn't make a shot beyond eight feet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good to have him back on the court. Now, I, I also By the way, I also, if we're doing overreactions, uh, I, I'm not... I'm not exactly buying the narrative. The three-point shot was fixed during the suspension. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I know he's worked on his mechanics yeah. and his footwork and his release. I will a say, bit, but. the shot looked better. Like the 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 complaint that I've always had with that uh, chicken wing right right elbow, you know, yeah. elbow out wide. He had it in tighter, and so like I felt better about it. But I, I've just come to the conclusion, like I, I'm just. I'm never going to believe this guy's shooting 40% from three. Well, uh, I'm not going to believe it this season. This this season, that, that he's on the court is all that matters that right now. Like, oh, my threes, God, yes. Threes. If he's missing threes, he's missing threes. But I, I thought this, I thought the national coverage was also interesting. Cause I read, so I read a couple different stories today um, nationally, and, 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 and I thought the local coverage was good. I thought DeMichael uh, Cole, our beat writer, wrote a great story from New Orleans. Chris Harrington did as well for the Daily Memphian. But I found the national coverage interesting in this sense. So I read the, the story from The Athletic that I believe Kelly Eco wrote. He, he's there like South now that they have their new format there. I think he covers the Southwest division for them. And it was interesting. And then I also read Mark Spears' story for Anscape uh, slash ESPN. And both of them spoke to T. Morant last night. Um, and it was interesting because the comments from T were like completely different to each reporter. Um, in Kelly Eco's story, if you read the quotes, and I sent them to you, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, boy. Like, it was basically like. Very defiant. You know, yeah, it was like painting well, jobs. Let me rephrase like it. A, it, read, it read defiant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know. It read like, you know, basically like T was basically saying like, every, you know, my son didn't do anything wrong. And everyone's been taking it out on him. And now he's going to take it out on them. Which is, which is fine if you want to think that way. And, like, it'll probably benefit, you know, like, he can probably use that as motivation on the court. But it just was not what I was expecting to hear in, like, like public comments. You know, because even if Ja feels that way, like, we heard his press conference last Friday. Like, that's not the tone he has taken uh, this go-around. So that was interesting. But then you read the Mark Spears story, and T's comments were perfect, like, you know, very introspective and, you know, talking about, you know, what this was like being a parent through all of this and having to, like, you know, feeling like, you know, when your son is being attacked, you know, and, and it wasn't like he was saying my son was being attacked and I thought it was unfair. It was like, I you know, I'm I'm his father and I need, you know, it's my, I felt guilty because it's my job to try and protect him and things like Like, he just can't – he sounded like a completely different guy in the Anscape story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like much more in line with – uh Oh, no. Oh, no. We lost him. I don't know if he got Germantowned or what, but we're working on getting Mark back on the floor. But, no, he is definitely right. And, obviously, it's important to note, we don't know exactly when they spoke, when each guy spoke to T. Morant. Like, we don't know the questions that were asked. We, we, we don't, you know, we just, we have the quotes that show up in the stories, but we don't have... You know, the video, and I, I'm a big believer oftentimes you have to know 
Sorry, we lost you there. I don't know if you got Germantown right, or what. Where did you lose me? I was one of those moments where I just kept talking and had no idea I was off air. Um, we basically lost you right, uh, I would say, you you'd transitioned, you'd transitioned to the quotes. In the in, Clark. Yeah, no, you basically right before the Clark. Like it was, you were okay. you were kind of like near nearing the end of your thoughts <laughs> on the the Marcus Spears version uh, of the quotes. Yeah, Mark Spears. Mark, Mark Spears. Spears so. Yeah. So, so basically, I thought his quotes to Mark Spears were perfectly fine and sounded like a loving, caring dad who's re- who was really happy to see his son back. Whereas the comments in the athletic story sounded really defiant and as if you know, kind of you know. Kind of didn't see. It basically made it seem like John doesn't really think he did anything wrong. He's just you know saying what he needs to say, and it was like kind of again. I if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. But I was just surprised to see those he say those things. But then again, who knows what's real and what's not? Because the comments to Mark Spears were you know again much better and seemed much more um, just seemed. You know, like a loving, caring father who was just happy that his son was, you know, back playing basketball again. Um, and then in the Spears story, what was interesting, most interesting about it, I thought, was like some hidden tidbits in there. One, like it sounds like Marcus Smart and John Morant had like something of a heart to heart recently where, um, you know, Marcus Smart basically told him, like, you cannot take this stuff, this game for granted. You, you know, you can't cheat the game, you know, like. And it sounded like it, it sounded like everything the Grizzlies would have hoped for when they got, you know, Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart on this team. Like this is what you wanted them to do is to like help guide John and some of these young players. And then it also included, you know, when discussing the Grizzlies injuries, a note about Brandon Clark and apparently Mark Spears, I guess, spoke to Brandon Clark. Uh that that was the impression I got from how he wrote it. And Brandon Clark is saying that the plan is for him to return around the All-Star break, which would be much earlier than I assumed and much earlier than I think everyone assumed based on the last sort of comments we heard uh, from management about his injury status. So, I mean, that would be huge if you're getting, you know, I don't know what version of Brandon Clark. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the big question is, okay, you know, that's first off, that's a reinforcement that you you take regardless. Like they just need more guys that are proven on the NBA floor. I still wonder. Like, I would like to know when was was that said? Like right before the game? Is that something? The impression part- I got because I don't think Mark Spears has been around the team the last couple weeks. Like my impression was that he talked to him last night. Like at some. Point. I mean, I will say that's how it read. Yeah, because um, the fir- my first thought, my first thought when I read that was. I think that was true once, but I wasn't sure if it was true after the second procedure. Now, it's also important to note, like, Brandon has been seeing, like, doing basketball stuff. Yeah, he's been shooting, like, stationary right. shooting, And so, like. you know, you're sitting there, like, what? Roughly, the, the All-Star breaks usually run right around February, like, February 20th. So yeah, it'd, it'd be like, it'd be like Two full almost, months. Two full it'd months. Be, well, and it'd be almost a year since he suffered the injury, which... You know, kind of lie. I know Aaron Rodgers was pretending as if he had revolutionized Achilles tear stuff. By the like, way, has anyone ever played the game perfectly like Rodgers did? <laughs> I know. Oh, not perfectly because he couldn't motivate the Jets quite. No, 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 no. But I don't think I don't think he needed that. That in the end, he needed to play it to where it was like he was going to be the hero that was going to come back. But now, now that the teams again, I find it highly 
I found it highly questionable that he makes the comments literally the game, the Tuesday, his Tuesday appearance after they've been eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, it would line up with, I get like an aggressive return from an Achilles injury. Like it wouldn't be out outlandish to say almost a year later he returns. So um, we'll see about that part. Um, but just in general, my, you know, one of the takeaways I had as I was watching it and watching kind of the reaction is like, obviously this is good for the Grizzlies. This is good for the NBA because, you know, as much as, People want to anoint these other guards. Like, there's something about John Morant that Tyrese Halliburton doesn't have, that Jalen Brunson doesn't have. Like, he didn't even dunk the ball last night. And there was an electricity around that performance that, like, you know, there's very few guys in the NBA who who conjure up that. that. It's like, I mean... I'm not saying he's LeBron, but like LeBron is like that, where you that and there's that electricity when he plays. And, you know, other guys in the NBA who I'm thinking of who are like that right now, you know, like Giannis. Honestly, people aren't going to like the comparison, but I stand by it. You know what it's really like? Remember when Kyrie on the Cavs would go cheat mode offensively and he's just Mm -hmm. finishing it, like the way he would finish at the rim, he would do so many things. And then you factor in. Like, Kyrie was smooth. He's athletic, but he was more smooth. He's not Jai. Right. Jai is just, like, electric athletic. Yeah. Um, but it's the way the, the, he finishes. It's, it's, he's so freaking clever in, like, how he finishes at the rim. Yeah. And it's, yeah, but, it's, it's, I, mean, it's, I don't know. he does that, I, remember, I wrote it down in my notes, like, as I was watching. The thing, the thing I've always, like, the part of Jai's game that I've always found the most impressive is those finishes when he doesn't use a second hand to finish. Like he's just dribbling with his left and then just goes up all in one motion without even using another hand. And it like completely leaves the defense off balance at the rim. So it's hard to block. Like, and it's just like, you were watching, you go, Oh man, I forgot about that. God, that's all. Like that's like something that looks like relatively simple, but very few people in the world can do it as effectively as John. The the other thing about him is, does anyone else have more highlights that are quote-unquote non-highlights? Like, even Ja missed dunks, which we didn't get last night, but missed dunks are highlights. And then last night, during the first quarter, they're, like, showing a montage of, like, almost plays. And you're still just, yeah. like, like, normally you'd sit there and, like, roll your eyes, like, I didn't finish the play, it didn't matter. You're still going, how the hell did he do that? Well, and then my main takeaway is this, like thinking as I was watching it and I'm seeing the reaction to it, it's like, obviously he was missed. Like, it's going to be great to have him back on the basketball court. And like, I don't, but like, ultimately, like, you know, like for instance, those comments teammates, the athletic, like, I don't know if he's actually changed. You know, I don't know if he's actually learned anything from this other than like, don't go on Instagram live. Like, I don't know if he's good. Like, as he put it, like, I can't, he's going to beat Ja ultimately. And whether, whether that's good or bad, I'm not sure, but I will say this. He paid a heavy price for his mistakes. Like this was a long suspension. He lost a lot of money, a lot in like, whether he changed or not, he's paid, he's paid, he's paid the price. And he's like, it, it, it was good to have him back out there. Whatever you think of him, you know, in terms of how he's going to conduct, you know, whether you don't trust him in terms of how he's going to conduct himself. So be it. I still think like he has paid a heavy price for his mistakes and it's, it's ultimately just shame on him if he hasn't learned from it. But ultimately like 
it was he needs to be back on the court. Like he like this was twenty five games is a lot for ultimately what he did. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of in the mode of like I want to be the referee that gets both sides on like you know you bring them together before the coin toss and it's like the one side that overreacted to everything. It's like, hey y'all, like the. Like, to me, it all boils down to the same thing. He wasn't in trouble for all of the conversation and all of the think pieces. He wasn't in trouble for all the takes that were out there. That's not what he was in trouble for. And it's like, I want to pull Ja and go, you know what you were in trouble for? You literally went live on your Instagram in a strip club with a gun. That's what you're in trouble for. And then you got caught doing it again. Don't do it. Knock it off. And move on, like you know what I mean. Like, yeah. uh, it's just it's it's the it's the over coverage of all of this, and it's just like, hey, don't do it again. Yeah, no, and then you you know you saw him coming. But up you're all right. He paid a heavy price. Yeah, no, he paid a heavy price for it, and 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 I'm glad it's over. And then you saw him walking up, the, running up the court, saying, I've, "I've I kept receipts." Which, you know, remember when he answered that question in the press conference Friday? No one believed it. That like, you know, when he was asked about the guards who, you know, some people view better than him. And it's like, you know, he didn't, you know, he kind of, you know, he, he sidestepped it and was just like, they're good players too, whatever. And it's like, and I, I think the receipts aren't necessarily about other players because it seems like actually other players in the league have been really supportive of him over the last few days as he's returning. Um, but, you know, whether it's, you know, media members like me, whatever the talking heads on national TV, like, you know, I think he's he's using all that, whether whether he's right or wrong, He's going to use it as motivation, and I think it'll be an effective tool because we've seen in the past when Ja feels slighted, um, that typically leads to monster performances like the one we saw last night. Yeah, no, I mean, it it was just, I don't know. It it just felt like so needed. Like, I don't agree with him saying he kept receipts because ultimately, like, what are you keeping receipts on? All the the crap you did? There were some some laugh-out-loud funny tweets after last night there there was there was there was the john there was the john wick there's a scene from john wick it's like john for the game i'm I'm gonna need a gun a lot of gun jokes and stuff and like but that's part of it like hey man if he keeps playing like this it'll stop in a couple weeks you know what i mean Uh, performances like this Uh, nah i don't know i think it's i think you actually have to live you have to learn to live with it Maybe a little. I mean, there'll be a certain segment, but I think in general, most people, the the the, the majority of people, especially after watching what he did last night, were reminded, man, I'm just glad this guy's back on a basketball court. You know, like not in a courtroom, not in a TMZ headline, not, you know, at home, you know, in the dark, so to speak. Like this guy needs to be out on a basketball court. He said as much himself after the game um, because he's a special talent. And um, this city needs him, this franchise needs him, and this league needs him, um, I think. And, and we were reminded of that last night in a just a special, special moment for him. I'm sure he'll never forget that moment. Right? You know, he might win championships, win MVPs, hopefully, you know, in his future down the line. But I, he'll always remember this game. I, I, I feel that, you know, deep down. Don't you? Uh, yeah, this is probably going to be one of the ones that, that he'll remember <laughs> Then it's always going to be. Why were you suspended again? Uh, yeah. yeah, but yes, and we haven't even we haven't even gotten to the Memphis UVA game. Well, they made it too boring. They just they just beat the hell out of. 
Oh, I'm just going to tell you, like, that was, I mean, I've, I've, you know, you know, I've covered a lot of UVA games. I have never seen a team dissect the pack line so bad that Tony Bennett had to go to zone. That was like, to me, like, oh my God, like you never, and even he said it after the game, cause I, I brought it up to him. I go, I noticed you even played zone. He goes, he goes, Mark, you've covered me before. You, you know how much I do that, how often I do that. And it's I like, didn't honestly even know they had it in the playbook. Yeah, like, I mean, because that was what was amazing to me. Like, I, you know, that they overwhelmed Virginia with their pressure, while great and a great sign, not exactly surprising necessarily. Like, if they were going to win that game, that was how they were going to win it. What was, what was really impressive to me was they were getting looks on offense very few teams get against Virginia. Um, like they were just dissecting that pack line all night long. And it was, I mean, you know, Tony Bennett took a moment after the game to, you know, they, they had kind of a Tony by the last four or five minutes, we were sitting right behind him. I mean, like he knew that game was over. And so the clock hadn't even wound down. He was already walking up to shake Penny's hand. And there was because there was still time and there had been a stoppage. They had like an extended handshake and, you know, Penny or excuse me, Tony basically used it to just tell Penny, like, your team's for real. Like, you know, I think he was even taken aback at how good they were uh, last night. And um, that was my takeaway, too. Like, man, like, stop thinking about rankings and start wondering about how, how good this run could be because I think everything's in, everything seems plausible to me at this point, given what they've done the last three games and the fact that Naquan Tomlin's going to join the team, too, and feels like a piece. It's not going to be like a piece you're forcing in there and you're worried about the chemistry feels like a piece that's going to fit pretty well with what they have and don't have at this point. And like sweet 16, elite eight, even final four. Like, I think it's, I think you can start dreaming about that stuff uh, with what this team has done in non-conference play and particularly these past three games. Yeah. I, see, cause this is where I, I've always struggled. Like I'm kind of a big, like enjoy the ride guy. Because mm-hmm. you don't know how many yep. rides you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I also think like we've we've reached this weird era in college basketball where it's like the context is getting more and more difficult to like sort through. But I think what what has been obvious to me throughout the first eleven games, I don't know if I want to say like if you want to dream of what you know of, of a parade. But it feels like a lot of things have to fall into place, but it just doesn't feel implausible. Like, no, it's like just I, year, they, you said, oh, that team's going to go to the final four. Like that seemed implausible. Yeah, I, this, this, that's kind of how I felt. It's like I would tell you rather than dreaming big, enjoy the ride, because I think this will be like a really fun ride. Mm. But if you want to start doing some dreaming, I'm not sitting there. I'm not going to poo poo it because they have all of the elements necessary that we've seen. It's been a pretty good formula. Like, their guard plays really good, and their guards are old. Like, that's the other thing. It's not just good guard play. It's, like, experienced old guard play. That works. They are a significantly better better shooting team. This is, I feel like, consistently the best shooting team he's had. Agreed? Like, Um, they have nights. They have nights where you're, like, like, whatever, Saturday. They have days like Saturday. They don't have a knockdown shooter, but they have enough streaky guys that, like, you know, if two of them are off and two of them are on, like, they're fine. You know, like, I think they're a good shooting team. 
Um, and maybe that is the best because they've basically they've mostly been an average or below average shooting team over the years. Although last year's team was a decent shooting team, um, if you go by the numbers. Um, but I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say they're the best shooting team. He's, I mean, they're just period the best team he's had. And then defend- probably the best team since the Calipari era. And then, like, like to be quite honest, the irony is like I don't know metrically. Obviously, it's not going to be his best team. But in terms of like. I need to bet on this team to get a stop. I feel pretty good about betting on this team to get a stop. Like, yeah, think I mean, about, looked, that was kind of how the Clemson game was won for the most part. Like, yeah, down Clem- the stretch, they you know, because they, 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 you know, it was kind of like, yeah, you had to get like two stops, and they did. Yeah, but collectively, and then you know, there was some haggling, but they we got the we got the stadium deal through too last night. It was. Boom, boom, boom! Like within like an hour. I'm so over. I'm so over all the stadium stuff. I'm over it. It it is so. It was so. It was political theater, and people can do the yeah, but there were like legitimate whatever. It was the the motivation was political theater and political statements. So enjoy it. I hope I hope you got your statement in. I hope it was great. Like awesome. I'm over it. Yeah. Well. At this point, it's, you know, the stadium now belongs to the University of Memphis. I was over there. I was at the Children's Museum this morning with my kids. Didn't see any new signage yet on the stadium, but I, I want to well, say. Well, Mark, I, the paperwork has to go through. You know, it's, it's like when you, it's like when you, you, you still got, you got with a 30 day period, you close on the house. Yeah. yeah you haven't, you yeah. haven't, you haven't paid the high price real estate attorney yet. I want like a, I want like a big property of University of Memphis slapped mm. on there. A for sale. <laughs> well, was, I don't even know if like you have a for sale sign, right? No, this one was this, this is, one was done. This yeah, one was done the, off you never, market. You didn't you know? even take it to market. Yeah, <laughs> but all in all, just uh, certainly the. I mean, for me, I've been here seven years now. Most memorable night I can remember, certainly since I've been here. Yeah, it, I, in in the regular season category, I think it's the best in terms of what you like. That was a awesome, impressive statement win from the Tigers. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, this Grizzlies team just needed something, something well, to feel good about. Way, I mean, honestly, like it wouldn't quite feel the same if they had won by 10. Certainly if they lost, even if Ja went off, it was the fact that it was like they won the game and it was because Ja Morant let a comeback down from 24 and hit a buzzer beater to win it. Like, I, if you had asked me what, what was going to happen last night, I probably would have never, I would have never guessed that. Never like that. He was going to come back, and in his first game, he's going to hit a buzzer beater and lead him back from down twenty four. I mean, like, who would ever guess that? And it just made for a magical, magical night. And you know, I think you know sets up for you know. I think it's going to be a hell of a winner. I like I said, I know, I, I know you don't think they're going to get back in the postseason mix. Uh, ESPN analytics raised them mark from zero to up. Uh, uh, they now have point two of making the play point two percent chance of making the playoffs and point eight percent of making the play in. Oh, that's so we've doubled our we've yep. doubled our yep. chances. We're getting hot. The don't play, don't the let the, that was a swing game. Went from point four yeah. to point eight, Jeffrey. That's yeah. double. That's Get, double. Who's the NBC? Who's the is it Karnacki? Who's the guy yeah. at the board? Yeah. Like, yeah. This was this was a significant flip. <laughs> yeah, we just we got one electoral vote. Yep. <laughs> All right, buddy, enjoy it. All right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That is Mark Giannotto. We come back. Let's discuss that Tiger game 
Let's talk some college sports with David Cobb. We'll do that next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 99 FM. Yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. SPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Show is brought to you in part by one of my new favorite spots in town, Birdies. It's located at 493 South Main Street, Suite 101. It's a new indoor golf simulator concept located in the historic South Main District of downtown. Birdies has three golf simulators as well as a virtual putting course and a full-service bar and great menu. Also, want to start thinking about it now. Beginning January 15th, we will have the Winter League at Birdies. It's a two-person scramble. Sign up for the men's. It's, it's indoor men's league. They've got all the information on their Instagram page at birdies901. The IG page is birdies901. Also, if you think about getting something for the golfer in your life this Christmas, get them a gift card to birdies. Don't get them socks. Don't get them golf balls that they're not going to play. Don't get them a glove that doesn't fit. Get them a gift card to birdies. The website, golfatbirdies.com, golfatbirdies.com, or you can go visit them at 493 South Main Street. David Cobb covers college football, college basketball for CBS Sports on Twitter, on X, at David W. Cobb. Cobb, ex- uh, help me out here. What's happened on signing day? I assume Georgia won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Georgia's cleaned up. They're, they're going to finish with the top class uh, yet again. I, well, actually, first time since 2020 that, that Georgia will have the top class. Man, it, it's kind of lost its thunder. It's lost its mojo because it feels like so many of these players won't stick around. They will end up transferring, and thus uh, recruiting transfers becomes far more important than, than recruiting the freshmen. So there, there's been some interesting stuff. I mean, mainly I would say that the, the biggest takeaway is Florida and Billy Napier really continuing to struggle. Uh, and then Ohio State, like, holding on by the skin of its teeth to a couple of really important prospects today. I mean, those are the two things you need to know. Ohio State surviving, uh, getting it done at the end, and and then Florida sort of just falling apart. I think the other thing, it's not even necessarily just the transfer aspect, but that definitely factors into it. I think the the, the guys that could be there for a year and, and leave, I think the problem is it's like, 
determining what was a good class because sometimes now in recruiting, it's keeping your roster is a good class. And, and I think it's trying to – it used to be quite simple. These teams had good recruiting classes. We think they'll be good. Now it's like it feels like there's just so much information and so many other ways to look at it that like, I feel like we can't even determine like going into next season who really changed their circumstances in the positive. What I do think you're spot on about, it does feel like we can determine who it's not going well for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to your point, look at USC. They, over the last several years, have landed an abundance of highly touted prospects, and so many of them have failed to perform. And while a few years ago we may have celebrated the Trojans for signing Corey Foreman, he does absolutely nothing for them and is now in the portal. And so you celebrate these, quote, victories on signing day, and then so many of them turn out to be hollow victories or or not victories at all. But, of course, if you don't sign anybody, uh, then it's clear things aren't going well for you, and that's sort of the situation that that Florida finds itself in because, you know, you can make up a lot of ground in the transfer portal, but you at least have to have some baseline of of competent high school recruiting still, and, and, you know, there are teams out there clearly – struggling with that so yeah it's 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 not what it used to be it also doesn't help that it's in december people are thinking about christmas they're thinking about their bowl games uh it's just not what it was when february and uh, it used to just completely steal the show and uh now i mean i think the nil stuff has, has jaded a lot of fans on it as well but i mean it's yeah it's just really all that it is at, at this point is um a reason for fans to hope like and, and that's that's what signing day is. Like, if you are looking for hope, you can find it on National Signing Day, even if we know that in the end, a few years down the line, uh, none of this stuff is really going to matter all that much. So I've kind of, because I've gone back and forth with Mark on this, I don't think the that NIL is what has turned everyone off, but what I do think NIL has done is maybe, maybe for a very long, probably too long of a period of time, you could kind of keep the veil over your eyes that it wasn't really as transactionary as, as it actually is and honestly as it always has been. It's just now it's more it's more in your face. I think the fact that there's not as much drama, I, I think that is kind of what's – because it's just like, you know, it, it feels like it's, all right, well, who's going to make the highest bid? Who gets the last chance to bid? It feels like that there's not the – like because you and I have covered recruiting – there's just not like the day-to-day drama narrative that I think fans had gotten accustomed to because that illusion's gone, I think. Yeah, and the transfers are taking up a lot of that juice. Because yes, 100%. When you've got a transfer who you've seen produce at the college level, he Bingo. gets the portal, he starts considering your school. Well, of course you're going to be more interested in that player than you are in some guy with an arbitrary four stars next to his name from a recruiting service. And that stuff goes on really year-round because there's multiple windows where you can enter the portal and, and go to a new school. So uh, that that has uh, sucked out a lot of the oxygen from the, the high school recruiting world. And, and not to mention there's just fewer commitments still uh, at this time because of all the uh, COVID eligibility that we have. I did a study recently uh, on college basketball in particular, and – for this year's freshman class, the players who are freshmen in college basketball right now, there are fewer uh, freshmen at, at the big six basketball schools and the big six conferences 
uh, for college basketball than there than there ever have been because you still have all those COVID guys uh, cycling through, and they're going to be in college basketball for at least another year. And we we still have that effect in football too with all the fifth and sixth year guys who are still using up that extra year of eligibility. Uh, so that that plays a role in it too. There's just not as much room uh, for the freshmen as there was in the past. Well, and now there, you know what I mean. Like even coaches are, you know, they're they're risk averse. Rather than, hey, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the. Like everyone's still taking the top end. You know, DJ Wagner's going to have a home. But if you're like in between, hey, this guy's, you know, let's say like he's the 35th best player in the country, or I've got you know this. 22 year old that I know like I've seen what he can do like it feels like people are defaulting to that and you know we're seeing that with Memphis and mm-hmm. I that's kind of the question that I have like I've been very impressed by this team but I think for all the factors that you just mentioned it's still in a grand scheme of things how are you how are you re- relative to the rest of the country and mm-hmm. the problem that I've had right now is like I don't I don't know like I I know Memphis scheduled pretty tough, and they're coming out of it. They're nine and two through, you know. I think any realistic, even realistic on the optimistic side, fan would have signed in blood for nine and two during with this schedule. But at the same time, it's like, do I do I feel a thousand percent confident that I'm going to watch Virginia be a top, you know, two or three team in the ACC? No, am I? I'm a little more confident that I think A and M still going to be pretty good in the, in the SEC. But do I, you know, they were pretty good in the SEC last year and they got knocked out in the first round. Like, I, you know what I mean? Same thing. Do I think this old Miss run is real? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, that's kind of where I am. It's trying to make sense of what Memphis has done. I know that I feel, my eyes tell me that I'm impressed. But how do you feel about the work that they've done? I feel pretty good about it because, yeah, okay, Missouri, like, to, to your point about the teams they've beaten, Missouri's been disappointing. Michigan's been disappointing. Arkansas has been disappointing. Yeah. Uh, however, the the wins that they've picked up recently, I think, are going to hold up very well. Uh, the SEC as a whole has not been great this year, but I'm still a big believer in Texas A&M. Their schedule, A&M's schedule, has been really difficult. So they don't have a great record at this point, but they're still quite easily going to be above 500 in the SEC, and I still see them as a pretty clear lock to make the NCAA tournament. And I feel pretty similarly about Clemson and Virginia, too. I mean, I know Virginia can just absolutely lay an egg, which they've done in both of their losses, but uh, they've got some meat on the resume already. And you just got to believe in Tony Bennett and that defense because night in, night out in the ACC, there aren't going to be teams like Memphis that are that athletic and that deep. The ACC is not not a great league, and it doesn't have uh, that many deep, experienced, talented teams like like Memphis. So I think Virginia will be fine. So I love what Memphis has done in, into our earlier conversation. I mean, it's a tremendous testament to Penny Hardaway's adaptation that in the six years now that he's been a college basketball coach, he has transformed with the times from going after the highest caliber high school prospects that he could find with a fair deal of success uh, doing that in terms of, of getting them into school. And then now, over the last couple of years, completely doing a 180 and going after the oldest, most experienced transfers that he could find. You will not find a coach in college basketball or college football who has undergone a more rapid philosophical shift and done it successfully 
uh, you won't find one who's done it who's done it better than Penny Hardaway, and that's that's been on display for them this year. And I mean, we didn't know who was going to be coming into the season. I yeah. wouldn't have predicted uh, David Jones uh, to be the star, but my gosh, that dude is a bucket, and uh, he is he is super fun to watch. He had maybe one of the most elite uh, poses after a three I've seen all year. He held it up for like seven seconds. I know. It yeah, was, he, he, that was that was that was awesome. He's. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.